0: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. I'm Billy Unbody. Thanks for joining us at it, as it is SMUTCU week, the battle for the iron skillet, Saturday at 2.30 on FS1 in Fort Worth at Amon G. Carter Stadium. And we'll get to more TCU later in the podcast as Jeremy Clark of uh, Horn Frog Blitz joins us on the podcast. Uh, he's our 24-7 sports uh, version of myself and our crew at Pony Stampede um, who's been covering the Horn Frogs uh, for for 15 seasons now he'll join us later on um, I know this podcast kind of get off to uh, obviously a late start in the week didn't have one for you guys earlier uh, but uh, was kind of feeling a little under the weather and and everything like that and so just kind of couldn't um, couldn't really talk to to get uh, some thoughts out there on the airwaves for you but um, I did want to kind of share a few tidbits uh, in terms of what I thought about SMU's uh, win over Texas State last Saturday and um, some of the things that stood out um, to me uh, as I rewatched the game. And I guess uh, the the thing that would concern me most when you look at it as how does SMU look heading into the TCU game would be the two interceptions because uh, the two interceptions for, for Shane Buchel, I think, Having I I, re- I rewatched probably both of them, probably about ten times, and I came away kind of thinking the the same on 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 both both interceptions. I think one the the screenplay was probably something they could have checked out of. Um, I don't think I, I I just thought Shane thought that he probably could just get it there, and and that uh, Becker uh, would would kind of hold up a little bit more on the block and. He'd be fine. Um, obviously, that wasn't the case. The corner, uh, Jerron uh, Morris made a great play on the ball. Um, One-time SMU commit under Chad Morris, Jerron Morris, um, actually. And um, so he made a great play on the ball. got the interception. So I just thought it was just kind of a bang-bang play that, A, you don't really see – you won't really see that too often. Um, it Just kind of in the grand scheme of football. Uh, so great play by him. I thought that one was kind of just more of a kind of a fluke as uh, as well, but I, I don't know the background of the play, so we don't really know what Shane's options were on it. Um, and then on the second one, he was looking to make a play. Uh, he was rolling out, and here's what I think happened, is I think he was trying to just kind of float it over and give, um, gosh, I think it was Reggie Roberson, uh, or maybe James Roche, a chance on the ball. So kind of float it up and then maybe have him make some insane toe tap for first down. And he just kind of gripped the ball a little too hard and finished his throw a little bit too much. So instead of floating it, it went right to the defensive back. And and certainly a play that I don't think he makes against TCU. I don't think he makes in 90% of the games that he came over to the sideline and you can kind of see them explain him explaining it to Rhett Lashley. And, um, and, and just kind of, I, it didn't seem like there was much of a, much of an issue there. Um, now, I mean, it, it is concerning that he tried it. I mean, you never know when these guys might try something um, in a game that, you know, can translate in the future and, and turnovers are going to be such a big battle. I think this week, Uh, that you really didn't like to see that too much uh, at all um, against Texas State and a team that they really dominated for the most part. So overall, though, I mean, 14 of 18, uh, so two incompletions were interceptions and the other two were incompletions. So, I mean, just another efficient night for him, even with those two interceptions. Um, But I didn't get too hung up on them. I, 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 I didn't like them as mistakes, but I'm not too hung up on them um, because of opponent and kind of the situation on, on both of those. So, um, But other than that, an impressive night for SMU. T.J. McDaniel emerges uh, with a huge performance, eight carries, 159 yards, three touchdowns. That was the running back that we really, really liked uh, at 24-7. Um, yeah, I think for for T.J., he had the testing numbers to back it up. He had the production on the field for Southlake. And I think people just kind of get – Sometimes you just see a white Christian McCaffrey looking guy and he doesn't end up as highly rated as as he probably should have been for doing what he did at at the um, at one of the highest stages of Texas high school football and uh, having the testing numbers to back it up. So um, for me, I mean, great. I I think you look at and we haven't seen Ulysses Bentley turned loose just yet. He had a nice catch and run from Terrence Gibson and, and and showed some flashes again. But I think both. It, it, I think it's pretty clear that that Chris Brassfield just hit on his two running backs in the in the twenty uh, nineteen class, and um, I I just think they're they're both going to be really really special. Great night for TJ to do it in front of family and friends, and now give himself an opportunity to play against TCU. I I, I think he's going to play. I think he's going to play a good good bit. Um, it seems like they trust him. Uh, I know he only got eight carries, but uh, I think they, they trust him enough now to put him out there. Um, and and so I, I think with the way Kamen Freeman is, is running, and, and here's the deal. After Kamen got stopped on that fourth down where if you watch the play, he could have just kind of run into the back of the line, and, and try to muscle ahead, and I think that was kind of the play design. He tried to cut it back and kind of fit himself through the left tackle and the unblocked Texas State defender who ended up making a tackle on him and he didn't get the first down. I think that probably sent SMU staff just a little bit over the edge with him, and they inserted TJ McDaniel, and away he went. And so I, I'm not going to be surprised if they give T.J. McDaniel the ball against TCU. I, I, I just think he's – when you do – that wasn't an FCS team. I know they're really bad, but they're a good defensive team that going into the game, SMU was was actually somewhat worried about how they were going to run the football. Three-man fronts aren't, aren't typically easy to run against, um, especially when you have an offensive line that's still developing, and they opened holes, and T.J. McDaniel made the most of them. And he's got the strength. I mean, this this isn't – he's not somebody that's little or um, going to wear down too much. And, and he only got eight carries. So it, he he wasn't um, out there toting the rock 25 times. So don't be surprised if TJ McDaniel plays a good deal against TCU. He's been a special teamer um, uh, as well on, on uh, Saturday against Texas State. So you can tell there may be – there, there's maybe a long-term play for him to to get some action. So watch for him against TCU, um, and 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 he's he sees the opportunity. Uh, thought SMU just played really well defensively again. Another turnover, Rodney Clemens. I know it was an overthrown ball, but that cap kept that uh, streak going. Uh, I think the big thing for me, and and I think this is going to help the most against TCU, is just kind of the havoc they create as a defense. Um, and and what they're able to do and put pressure on quarterbacks and and kind of make it uh, a deal where you know they are they they're just kind of all around you they're in your face and it, it just works out with sacks or throwaways or what have you and I think that's going to be the biggest thing against TCU Alex Delton, and Max Dugan um, you know neither one has earned the starting job yet I think Max is going to be the starter. But he's a true freshman. He wasn't phased at all against Purdue, who really didn't give them too much trouble defensively. But um, I think SMU is just going to be able to get pressure. And I think the depth, I think the the multiple looks that Kevin Kane's going to bring. Uh, we saw it again, again against Texas State, um, doing things like having Turner Cox as like an outside linebacker stand up. I mean, they're going to do different things. And um, I'm interested to see how Kevin Kane does against TC's offense, but... Um, if there's one thing I know, he's going to bring pressure. It's 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 been apparent uh, that SMU's front is is pretty impressive, and um, we'll we'll talk more about that with Jeremy here in a, in a few minutes. But um, you know, overall, I was just really impressed with the way they got pressure. I think right now the team is just they're fairly healthy. We'll see on Harrison Lovelace, uh, Chevin Calloway. We'll we'll see, but I bet you he plays. Um, but I mean, gosh, just. An impressive performance for the most part by the defense. They had their moments, of course, but um, I think a lot of confidence going into this TCU game. And and I'll drop another podcast tomorrow morning, uh, but I wanted to get this one out with my interview with Jeremy for you guys. But um, overall, uh, impressive win by SMU, um, and and they took care of business against Texas State team and, and made a little history. They they're 3-0 for the first time since 1984. And uh, we'll see how things go against TCU this week. So with that, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to throw it right to our conversation with Jeremy Clark. And that'll be a wrap on the podcast. So hope you guys enjoy this interview with Jeremy Clark of Horn Frog Blitz, part of the 24-7 Sports Network.
1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And joining me now on the Pony Stampede podcast is our TCU beat writer, Jeremy Clark. Uh, Jeremy back at it again. Another SMU-TCU battle for the iron skillet. Um, Well, welcome to the podcast, first of all. And you guys got to be at least flying high after uh, TCU's win over Purdue last week. They, They. you know, get through that one. Um, what were some of your takeaways uh, coming off of, of off of that uh, win for the, the
2: Horn Frogs? I think it was a good statement win for them. Everyone was trying to figure out where they were as a team after the Pine Bluff game. I think everyone expected to go in there in that game and TCU come out with a sixty to nothing win or score over sixty points against an FCS team because they gave up ninety points last year to South Dakota State. So. They knew Palm Bluff was uh, going to give up some big plays defensively, but they only go out and score 39 points, so you still have those questions in the air. Is the offense better? The quarterbacks didn't look particularly uh, well. They didn't throw the ball very well. Uh, the running game was kind of absent. So you had a lot of questions going into Purdue, and they really just went out there and answered a lot of them. The running game looked about as good as I've ever seen it. Two running backs go over 100 yards in the game, Darius, and Sheawell, Darius Anderson rushes for a career-high 179, and, and Sheawell gets 106. But the offensive line played just spectacular. I mean, the, the phrase that they talked about in, before fall camp, Curtis Looper, the running back's coach, had said that they want to be able to run the football even when opponents know they're going to run the football. And that's really what Purdue did. I mean, they, they tried to stack the box. They knew TCU's quarterbacks weren't throwing the football very well. The receivers were dropping them but they could not stop the run, and it was about as good a running performance as I've seen since covering the team in 2005. And defensively, they're just they're playing balls out. I mean, they they, they fly to the ball. They, they've got great size, athleticism. It's probably the best combination of athleticism and size and speed on a defense collectively for all 11 positions that I've seen them have ever uh, in, in the Gary Patterson era. So it's really – uh, good win for them. They went up there and just really dominated. That, that score they got late in the late in the fourth quarter. Really wasn't how she played defense the whole day. They they really Purdue couldn't do anything through the air and obviously on the ground. They finished with just barely over twenty, I think twenty five yards on the ground. So really good win, and I think it's going to carry a lot of momentum moving forward.
1: Yeah, and, and there's a lot to unpack I think from that game. And, and TCU held uh, the Boilermakers without a touchdown until that late late score like you said in the fourth quarter you know three points in the, in the first quarter three points in the second quarter the, this defense has athletes all over Garrett Wallow uh and and Jeff Gladney and and all of those guys um let's start with Gladney he you met with him you talked with him a little bit this week uh he's one of their best players he's matched up against Reggie Roberson uh before and and he's a key and he had an interception against uh Purdue so how do you I guess with, with Roberson's emergence this fall and, and Prochet returning it, how do you see TCU kind of uh, battling those those guys?
2: Well, it's going to be tough for Jeff uh, and, and really that defense to, to try to pick which guy they want to cover because against Pobluck, you really didn't have a standout receiver. And against uh, Purdue, they moved Rondell Moore all over the field. But I will say Jeff has yet to give up a completion this year uh, in two games. So he's playing really well right now. But – the, the good thing about Jeff is he's been battle tested. If you look at last year and it, just look at the Big 12 Conference in general, when you're talking receivers, Tylen Wallace, C.D. Lamb, last year Hollywood Brown, uh, guys from Texas Tech, Antron, Antoine Wesley, Colin Johnson, and really against all those guys, Akeem Butler out of Iowa State, he did really well. Colin Johnson was really the only exception. He had a good game against Jeff, but. Going into all those other games, those guys were among the nation's leaders in receptions, yards, and, and he really did a great job of shutting down those guys. So he's been battle tested against really good receivers. He's he's playing at a high level right now. He's regarded as the top cornerback in the Big Twelve and, and for good reason. He's he's a really smart player, got great awareness, and he's really athletic. I mean, he's a he's a taller corner, he's about five eleven, six foot, runs around a four three. He doesn't get pulled very often, and that's and that's kind of why TCU's been so successful against the pass early on because he basically can take away one half of the field just wherever he lines up. They don't they put him on an island. They're not worried about putting him on an island. And when you can have a corner like that, even looking back to when TCU had Jason Barrett, first-round pick from uh, by San Diego, that that's when you have a good corner like that. You can take a half, half of the football field away. You're going to be successful on defense, and that's really what they have with Jeff right now.
1: And it'll be the first time I think that SMU this year faces a, a corner like that, somebody that is going to give you problems. Now, whether you know, Reggie can get a catch off of him or, or James can get a catch off of him, we'll, we'll see. But in terms of that type of talent and that type of adversity they're going to face, this is the first time uh, that they're facing somebody of that of that caliber this year. So I'm interested to see how they'll respond, see if they'll try to uh, create some mismatches and, and get you know, Gladney off of, uh Roberson or Proche or do some do some different things like that, but defensively on the defensive line they're going to I think bring you know a good deal of pressure against SMU. I think that's probably the way to try to get to Shane Bouchelle. I don't know what your thoughts are that on that, but they've got Garrett Wallow who they can certainly bring off the edge, and uh, they've also got Ross Blacklock back and he missed all of last year. So how do you kind of see the, the front lines and, and SMU's offensive line has certainly been a question mark at at times uh, this year. Going into it, how do you how do you see them attacking uh, that that front group for SMU?
2: That, that was a great question, Billy. That that was another question uh, going away from the Palm Bluff game because against Palm Bluff they really didn't get any kind of pressure, and so you're really questioning how good this defensive line is. Ross Blacklock did get a sack in that game, but you really didn't get any kind of pressure from the defensive ends. Uh, hurrying the quarterback, so immediately you're thinking, oh, man, they really do miss L.J. Collier and Ben Banigou on the ends. But against Purdue, they did a much better job. They they got to the quarterback. Blacklock had another sack. The defensive ends had more pressure. O'Shawn didn't get a sack, but he did get a couple quarterback hurries. And really the interior of the defensive line for TCU is really what makes them go as a defense. Anytime they've had strong play at defensive tackle, it's helped them in the run game. It's helped those linebackers. It's 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 helped the safeties. But if you get pressure like they're getting up the middle, it also helps your secondary in, because they're getting to the quarterback a lot faster. But it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good test for them. Uh, obviously, Purdue was kind of uh, they were unmatched, it, it mismatched on the offensive line. They were missing their best offensive tackle. Um, they had some younger, inexperienced guys up front. So TCU got the better of them. but. I would say this is going to be a good game to to see how Garrett Wallow plays uh, as, as a coverage linebacker. He's done exceptionally well the first two games as far as making tackles, getting to the ball. He's already got 23 tackles. He's got six-and-a-half tackles for loss. So he's doing a good job as far as getting to the ball. He does have some trouble covering the flats sometimes. I could see SMU yes having success if they run their running backs on a bubble route or out in the flats. That's kind of the Achilles' heel for the four-two-five defense for the linebackers to get out and cover those routes. But uh it it's it is gonna be a, a pretty interesting battle to watch with the offensive line for SMU and, and, and defensive line for TCU. If you if you look at Oshawn Mathis the, the defensive end, he's one of those guys that had a really good spring camp. He had a really good fall camp and he could have played last year. They they purposely redshared used that four game redshirt rule so he wouldn't he wouldn't lose a year of eligibility. But People around the program, even Gary Patterson said, he could end up being the best defensive handoff ever coached. So that would be a name for SMU fans to keep an eye on.
1: And now I, I guess well, I want to flip over to the offense side of the ball. I, I want to start with Darius Anderson because I have a feeling we can talk for quite, quite a while about the quarterback situation. But uh, in terms of the guys you've seen that, that SMU's had to face against uh, you know, TCU in the backfield, I mean, how good is Darius is Anderson? I, I think he's pretty special.
2: Darius is uh he's playing about as good as he ever has at TCU and that's saying something because he had a really good freshman season. He was on pace as a sophomore to rush for over a thousand yards, but he missed the last three games because of injury. Last year was the same deal. He he was playing well. He didn't get a lot of carries early in the season, which kinda left people scratching their head, but he ended up uh having some good games later on. But again he got hurt. This year he came back spring camp. He was he was out there practicing, but he was kind of a wearing a green jersey, not hitting – they weren't letting the defense hit him very much. And in fall camp, Gary came out and said, listen, you know, they call him Jet around TCU. Jet is running as fast as I've ever seen him run. He's running as good and hard as I've ever seen him run since he's been on campus. And when your head coach is saying that, you're kind of raising your eyebrows thinking, okay, well, maybe there is something there. Against Pond Bluff, he didn't get very many carries. Of course, you're you're playing younger guys. You want to get – as much experience, use that use that uh, four game. One of those games, it, 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 the four games you have for the younger players before they have the red shirt. So he didn't get as much, many carries against Palm Bluff, but against Purdue, the first carry he had. I mean, he's running hard. He's bouncing off tackles. He's he's just running crazy out there. I mean, I've, I've personally never seen him run like, like like that since he's been on campus. And when he's running like that, they're going to be successful. And it's crazy to think that he's had his two best games against. Big Ten opponents last year, Ohio State, had 154. This year against Purdue, 179, career high. But if he runs like that, it's it's going to be a tough matchup for SMU. But you've got to give credit to the offensive line. The offensive line is as big as I ever remember. They've got six six right tackle Lucas Niang at three twenty seven, six six three hundred thirty pounds offensive guard with David Bolasomi. Their center six foot four, two hundred ninety five, three hundred pounds. Their small guy on the line is is Cordell uh at six three three oh five and their left 68 six eight three thirty. So they're they're really doing a great job of creating running lanes and, and Darius did a great job and, and Shaywo Shawo's kind of the forgotten guy based off this game, but he last last year he rushed for hundred ninety four yards against Cal on the cheese it bowl and so everyone Knows what they have in him, but they they kind of forgot about him after Darius's performance. But they're both two really good running backs. Darius is the lightning, and Shaeo at six three two forty is obviously the thunder.
1: Yeah, and and look, I, I think SMU if they're going to beat TCU this this year, they've got to find a way to contain those guys. I mean, that, I think that's where it starts. I think taking that approach that Purdue uh, took, and while it didn't really work out for them, that's probably how they're gonna. Try to have to do it. Maybe I'm not sure how they'll play them in terms of four down, three down uh, linemen. They've they've kind of done it all this year. But I, I think from 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 SMU side of things, I think they've got to stop the run to beat TCD. Do you think that's kind of the way they have to go about things?
2: Yeah, and, and as as the head coach, he's a defensive minded coach. He's probably going to want to run the football, especially when you got uh, the inconsistency from the quarterbacks right now. Neither one of them have, have proven they could throw the football. But if you look, like, like I said earlier, Billy, Purdue knew they were going to be running the football at them, and they still couldn't stop it. So that's the mentality they have. It's, they run the football. They, they keep the offense on the field. And that takes away SMU's chance to be good and effective on offense if they don't have the football. And that's that's the way Gary Patterson wants to play his defense. Uh, the, one, the one stat that really just impressed me over everything else in that Purdue game is TCU held the ball for 40 minutes. And anytime you hold the ball for 40 minutes and you have over 300 rushing yards, the scoreboard's going to look uh, pretty positive for your team. And, and I think that's what they're going to try to do against SMU. I think they'll, if they can get some consistency at receiver catching the ball this week and, and maybe a little bit more accuracy from the, from the quarterbacks, you might see them throw the ball a little bit more. But I, I think right now they're bread and butter with that running game. I
1: agree with you. And now let's bring up some of the, the two quarterbacks that, SMU fans will, will probably see each of them on, on Saturday at some point. Alex Delton and Max Dugan. We were really high on Dugan at twenty four seven Sports. Who's a true freshman coming in? Um, Gary Patterson kind of coy about what the plan is this this week. What what do you think uh, they're going to do uh, heading into this one?
2: I would be shocked if Max doesn't come out there uh, first uh, when the offense takes the field. Just because if you go back and watch the game last week. TCU had 14 possessions, and Max was in there for 11 of them. And Alex didn't even take a snap in the second half. And and they just rode with the young freshman. He didn't he didn't throw the ball really well. He he only completed seven of 18 passes. He had five drops. There there's a lot of uh there's a lot of there's more problems with the receivers dropping the football right now uh, more than the quarterbacks putting in an area where they can catch it. So. If he if he gets those catches instead of drops, he's got a lot better stat line. He's twelve of eighteen, and no telling how many yards he throws for. But he does have some some passes. That the, the thing that's kind of the knock on him right now is the fact that he throws everything like it's a ninety nine mile an hour fastball. And I don't think I don't think TCU receivers are really used to that. Uh, and I've covered this team a long time. We've been doing this together a long time, Billy. That. As far as quarterbacks go that have come to TCU, I, I don't think I've ever seen a kid with a stronger arm out of high school than, than what Max has. And really the only guy I can really compare him to as far as the guys that have played at TCU is Trevon Boykin. And and really Max has that kind of arm, but he's, he really has to learn to put touch on the football. Even the good ones, Andy Dalton, uh, Trevon, uh Kenny hill they they all had to learn that same process, but the thing that impressed me the most about Max up at Purdue is that the game wasn't too big for him he He didn't look rattled, he didn't look like a deer in headlights, I and mean, he just he just went out there, he got at the offense, and most importantly, he didn't turn the ball over and I think that's why they kept putting him out there they're They're sitting there thinking, "Hey, we've got our young quarterback, he's possibly the future of the program. He's on the road, he's playing in front of sixty sixty five thousand fans in big Ten country." How's he going to react? And I think overall, he, he he did pretty well. But they're still going to, no matter if Max starts or Alex starts, they're both still going to play. Both of them bring a little bit something different to the offense. Uh, Max is obviously a better passer. Alex is a better runner. And even with Max being in there, I could still see, if he does take over the reins and becomes the full-time starter, I could still see packages somewhere down the line where Alex is in, in there at quarterback or even possibly as a receiver. Maybe they – Maybe they let him catch some passes and see if he does a better job as some of the regular receivers, and maybe that's where they see his future best. But right now, I, I would say going into Saturday, I, I would I would bet my mortgage that Max is probably going to be the guy under center first.
1: Yeah, and, and from what it sounds like, I think you're going to end up being right on that. Uh, what do you, What have you seen? I guess from him in in terms of the passing game. You mentioned some of the drop drop issues, but Jalen Rager, obviously one of the best receivers in the country. How's the process been him? Those two getting involved uh, and, and connecting in the passing game.
2: Well, the the first week they they had a 37 yard touchdown completion, and Max is going to try to go to him. I was I was kind of surprised against Purdue to be quite honest because Max threw 18 passes, but he really only targeted Jalen I think four or five times, and that's really not going to work. Number one for. For Jalen, because you're talking about a guy last year that already had to go through growing pains of quarterbacks. If anyone remembers TCU quarterback situation last year, they had a pretty terrible uh, situation with three different quarterbacks. But Jalen somehow managed to still have a great year catching the football, and it was the second most productive year ever for a, a TCU receiver. So I think for Max growing up and, and just being that young player, Jalen's probably going come to come to him at some point and say, hey, I can bail you out. You you get rushed. You want to throw the ball up? Let me throw those 50-50 balls to me. Let me make a play on them. And that's something that he really didn't do against Purdue. He went to Trey Hydes. Trey Hydes had three drops. DeValence Hunt had two drops. And that's something that they have got to fix. Darius Davis is another guy that is, is a really – people keep calling him the next Kevonte Turpin, but he really hasn't showed that. He's got those kind of flashes. He's got that type of speed. But he has, I think, right now to be honest, not not to sound like I'm being bad toward Darius, but right now I think he has more drops than he does catches on the year. So he's got to he's got to improve uh, his, his uh, consistency of catching the football. But for Max, it, I would be willing to bet but this week against SMU, he's going to look Jalen's way. They're going to move him all around, probably like they did against Purdue. Line him up outside, move move him to the slot, even line him up as uh, he's, he's usually a Z. They'll probably line him up as an X and, and maybe even put him in the backfield that, that had some success against Purdue just because he's more of a uh, – he's sometimes you don't know when Jalen Rager's getting the ball, so you always got to be cognizant of where he's at, and sometimes he's best lined up as a decoy, and that's how one of their touchdowns happened against Purdue. But as far as Max goes, I I think you'll see a lot of targets toward Jalen this week.
1: And uh, I guess lastly, let, let's kind of lay it out there, not a score prediction, but how do you see this one playing out uh, – Frogs I think are around ten point favorites right now. Might might have dipped to single digits, might be still at double digits worth depending on where you find it. But um this is a game that I think both Gary and Sonny feel like, you know, both teams come ready to play. I mean, it's gonna be it's it could be a dog fight.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of respect uh for Sonny from from Gary Patterson. I mean they're good friends. Sonny obviously was on staff here in, in two thousand seventeen, so there's there's a lot of uh friendships around really both coaches that's Trey Trey Haverty's over there David Grew uh there, so there's there's a lot of a lot of coaches that know each other and, and I think this is a little bit of a, a bragging right game but coach Patterson and, and really all the TCU players know what they're getting in SMU SMU's riding high right now they're undefeated uh people are getting behind them they're they're calling SMU one of the best teams they've had since the 80s and 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 really, if you look at their offense, they've got Shane. Shane's playing at a high level. The running backs are playing at a high level, and you've got two of the better receivers in, in, that they're going to face this year. It's not like they're facing guys that are FCS guys or, or got guy, James Crochet and Reggie R- Roberson easily could have. They, they both, James, especially coming out of high school, had a ton of uh, P5 offers, and Reggie obviously played at West Virginia. So, this these two receivers are very good receivers that they're going to be facing. And defensively, for whatever reason, I, I don't care who it is—if it's Andy Dalton, if it's Kenny Hill, Trevon Boykin, Sean Robinson—last year SMU always seems to find a way defensively to wreak havoc on the TC quarterbacks, and they make them make mistakes. And I've even—I've even, I've even uh, made the uh, proclamation that Max is probably going to throw an interception this game, just because of the way SMU plays defense and disguises their coverages sometimes, but. It, I think it's going to be pretty close, Billy, to be honest with you. It reminds me a lot of 2011 when SMU uh, had that three-game winning streak and then came over to uh, TCU and beat the Frogs in overtime 40-33. to TCU had no answer for uh, SMU's passing offense, and they're a little bit better defensively this year. They're extremely fast. TCU is. They're athletic, and I think that's going to be the difference for them. I think the run game for them uh, and, and them being strong up front on the offensive line creating those running lanes for Darius and Shawo and Max or Alex doing just enough to manage the game and and get enough passing yards to, to kind of keep SMU on their heels a little bit and not focus solely on the run, but it's going to, it's going to be a pretty good game. I I don't know the score prediction, but I I think TCU kind of like last year, it'll be close at halftime, but they'll pull away late in the second half.
1: Yeah. I'm interested to see how this one plays out. I I think for the first time in a while, SMU has a quarterback that they can, you certainly feel confident uh, on, uh, you know, going into this game. They were pretty vanilla on offense last week. um, And Kevin Kane, we'll see kind of what he dials up for TCU's offense. They're they're just so multiple, and we've seen that uh, now over the past year. So I think it's going to be a fun game, man. I'm I'm looking forward to it, and and I
2: appreciate you jumping on uh, the podcast with us. Appreciate it, man.